Welcome to the Kick-Ass Everyday Podcast with your host, me, Tanya Tringali. Let's get ready to be bold, be amazing, and live every day to its fullest with the kick-ass powers of personal development. Oh yes, and full disclosure, there will be a healthy dose of Jersey sarcasm. Well, hey there, my friends and fellow seekers, and welcome to episode 45 of Kick-Ass Every Day. As always, I want to start off by thanking my returning listeners for coming back. And if you're new here, thank you so much for giving me a try. Together, we'll use our combined energy to put out positive vibes and make a difference in our world. So I hope that you all had a great week, a great end of January, and are ready to take on February with the same energy and excitement you had on January one. That is one of my goals with Kick-Ass Every Day, to help you to be just as excited in the beginning of each month as you are at the beginning of each year. Each new month should hold for you all the energy surrounding all the possibilities that may show up for you in that month. Who knows, right? But expect them. Go into each new month with expecting good things, expecting new ideas and new opportunities, but always with the air of detachment. If things don't work out as planned, that's okay. That only means something better is on the horizon. So today's episode is the fourth in my series, Personal Development Greats, and features two people. There's a reason for me combining these two gentlemen into one episode. They are contemporaries of each other, meaning that they lived at the same time. So their perspectives are from the same time period. My two guests today are Dale Carnegie and Napoleon Hill, two big names in the personal development world, and for good reason. They both, with their own perspectives on being successful, have managed to influence people over the last 85 or so years. Clearly, their messages to people of all walks of life have staying power and resonate with their readers. Now, before I dive deep into our two guests today, I need to share with you a soul jump that I had while preparing my notes for this episode. In case you don't know what a soul jump is, it is my own explanation of when you have an unexpected moment of pure joy and deeper understanding. Here are some examples. An aha moment, a moment of overwhelming love and joy, a moment of absolute clarity, a moment of perfect connection with another spirit, a moment of perfect agreement between your mind and spirit. You know what's happening when you almost catch your breath. When every fiber of your being is electrified and time seems to stop for a second. Now, I have these all the time, as I mentioned in an Instagram post I did a few weeks ago. I think it is because I spent so much time focusing on and developing my spirituality. So back to this most recent soul jump. As I've mentioned before, I've had a lot of my personal development books in my own little library now for some time, including the two books that I'm using in today's episode. Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, and How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. What I stumbled upon while reading the covers of these two books in preparation for this episode is that both of the versions that I have were updated by the same man, Dr. Arthur R. Pell, a nationally known author, lecturer, and consultant in human resources management. A coincidence? I think not. Remember what I said about coincidences. There are very few of them. What I also discovered was a timeline. For me, and I hope for you, this was important. If you remember, I talked about the personal development book, which had made the biggest impact on me, was The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace D. Waddles. 
Now, that book was published in 1910. Napoleon Hill's book was published in 1936, and Dale Carnegie's was published in 1937. All of them were contemporaries of each other, with Waddles being the oldest. All of them were born within 28 years of each other, and they all talk about financial and personal success and how to achieve that. Wallace and Hill come from the same school of thought around the power of thought and have influenced many others along the way and really catapulted the law of attraction movement without ever naming that in their books, which I've mentioned before. It is the secret. Carnegie's book is much more about human relations and getting those right, along with a few other things and how that will lead you to the success you are looking for. For me and quite a few others, all three of these books have led to the success that I've had with personal development, each adding and building upon the other. Okay, back to our two guests today. I'm going to start off with Napoleon Hill for two reasons. First, I was introduced to him and read his book first, and second, his book came out a year before Dale's book. I discovered Napoleon Hill after I had read Wallace's book. You know how it goes. Once you read one thing on a certain topic, you then want to read everything you can get your hands on regarding that topic. LOL, or maybe that's just me, but it has been that way for me my entire life. And hey, if it ain't broke, right? So just like Wallace's book, I have read Napoleon's book numerous times and at different times throughout the last 18 years or so. The copy I have is well-worn with lots of pages marked off and tabbed and bookmarked. I love everything about this book, the size, the paper it's made out of, the type used in it. It is so comfortable in my hands when I hold it. Weird, I know. So a little bit about Napoleon Hill and where his philosophy comes from. He was born into a poor family in rural Virginia in 1883. He was orphaned at the age of 12 and raised by relatives. He overcame poverty and went on to educate himself, both in law and journalism. His education was mainly funded by his early writing career, which began at the age of 13 when he started writing for a string of local newspapers. His big break came when he was given the assignment to write a series of success stories about famous men. As luck would have it, one of the men he interviewed was none other than steel magnate Andrew Carnegie. It was Andrew that gave him a commission that would dominate the next 25 years of his life. Carnegie was that impressed with Hill. The commission was to interview over 500 millionaires to find a success formula that could be used by the average person. Some of the people that Napoleon interviewed were Thomas Edison, Alexander Graham Bell, Henry Ford, Charles M. Schwab, Teddy Roosevelt, and John D. Rockefeller, just to name a few. It was an impressive list, to say the least. Carnegie became Hill's mentor during this time and is a big part of how Hill put together his philosophy of success based on what he learned from those he interviewed. So I just want to read a small excerpt from Dr. Pell's opening preface to the book. Napoleon Hill's proven steps to riches are as valid for today's reader as they were for his contemporaries. All who read, understand, and apply this philosophy will be better prepared to attract and enjoy these higher standards of living that always have been and always will be denied to all except those who are ready for them. What a powerful statement and so true. So I ask you, what type of person do you think will be able to benefit and learn from Napoleon Hill and others like him? Drum roll. Anybody? Anybody? That's right. An open-minded one. So the very first chapter in Thinking Grow Rich is entitled The Power of Thought. 
Hmm. Now, where have we heard that before? Oh, that's right. From me. I have talked about this numerous times now. And in fact, in my last Kick-Ass TV episode, I told you how Mike Dooley mentions those three little words in the movie, The Secret. Thoughts become things. My hope is that you will keep seeing this recurring theme in many of the personal development books and things that I share with you. It is that powerful and that important. Everything you see around you is always created twice, first in thought and then in physicality. Think about that and you'll know that I'm right. Every great invention or meal or engineering project or painting, you name it, it was first a thought that someone had. Those include the planet we are living on, the stars in the sky, the beautiful animals and plants, and us humans. Those were God's thoughts. Napoleon's book highlights his 13-step process that he developed to help the reader identify their goals, obtain whatever they want in life, become super successful like those men he interviewed, and to master the secret of true and lasting success. I'm going to read those 13 steps to you now briefly, just so you understand the framework of not only the book, but Napoleon's philosophy. Each step is a chapter in the book and begins with chapter two. Step one, desire, the starting point of all achievement. Step two, faith, visualizing and believing in the attainment of desire. Step three, auto-suggestion, the medium for influencing the subconscious mind. Step four, specialized knowledge, personal experiences or observations. Step five, imagination, the workshop of the mind. Step six, organized planning, the crystallization of desire into action. Step seven, decision, the mastery of procrastination. Step eight, persistence, the sustained effort necessary to induce faith. Step nine, power of the mastermind, the driving force. Step 10, and this one is definitely interesting, the mystery of sex transmutation. Step 11, the subconscious mind, the connecting link. Step 12, the brain, a broadcasting and receiving station for thought. And finally, step 13, the sixth sense, the door to the temple of wisdom. Now, in addition to these 13 steps, Napoleon includes two additional chapters. They are how to it out with the six ghosts of fear and the devil's workshop. Now, as I said, I have read and reread this book many times, and I've come to realize that many of the pages I have bookmarked are the very same concepts that I've discovered in other books and audio programs that I've listened to over the years. It is clear that when you put certain practices to work in your life consistently is when you will have the greatest success. When you believe without a doubt that you can achieve something, that you can perfectly visualize yourself achieving it, written down specific goals to get you there, and are grateful for it showing up in your life before it actually does, you will absolutely bring to fruition your desire. What I love about the revised copy of Napoleon's book that I have is that Dr. Pell made sure to add in examples of our contemporaries that have exemplified some of Hill's key concepts in achieving their wealth and success. Only further adding to the proof that Napoleon's 13 steps work. All right, 
Let's move on to Dale Carnegie. Now, I'm going to guess that a lot of people have heard about Dale Carnegie. And just as a side note, he was not related to Andrew Carnegie. But he did, however, change the spelling of his last name to match that of Andrew's after speaking to a sold-out crowd in Carnegie Hall. Dale, in addition to his well-known book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, had a very successful business in teaching educational courses to business and professional men and women in New York City. He started out with just helping individuals with public speaking, but what he came to realize over time that was that many people, including himself, were desperately in need of training in the fine art of getting along with people in every business and in social settings outside of that. Dale, like Napoleon Hill, Jim Rohn, and even Tony Robbins had humble beginnings. He was born into an impoverished farming family in Missouri in 1888. Dale realized early on that he had a way with words. He used this gift to become successful in school with a debate team and later on in college with public speaking competitions. After graduating from college, Dale went on to take several traveling salesman positions and was successful at this. When he had saved up enough money, he moved to New York City, dabbled in acting as a play actor, which he did not like, and enlisted in the army for a year. When he came out of the army, he took another position as a business manager for a traveling lecture course taught by Lowell Thomas. It was shortly after this that he recalled how students at the acting school he had attended had offered to pay him money to teach them public speaking and realized that this skill was what helped him succeed as a salesman. It was then that he successfully pitched his idea to teach public speaking classes for adults to the YMCA, which provided him a space to begin night classes in return for some of the profits from his course. Well, his course was a huge success, and he taught everyday business people how to interview well, make persuasive presentations, and forge positive relationships. Within two years, he was so successful that he moved out of the YMCA and founded the Dale Carnegie Institute, and the rest is history. Now, I didn't start out reading Dale's famous book. I actually was more interested at the time in his leadership mastery course. For me, leadership has always been important, and as I mentioned before, those skills and interests really started in Girl Scouts. And I've never had a problem communicating with people. Those skills, I think, were a gift to me early on. The gifts of listening and being able to build relationships with others just came naturally. And they are gifts that I treasure and constantly try to hone and teach others. So Dale's Leadership Mastery Course is all about how to challenge yourself and others to greatness. The original version, which is what I have, is a CD set and came out in 2000. So I acquired it shortly after it came out. I still practice many of the things that I learned in this course, like being good on the phone, which at one point in my life, I had a huge phone phobia, and how to deal with a crisis, knowing how to keep your cool and lead effectively when things will inevitably go off the rails. So when and why did I finally read Dale's famous book? I finally read it about six or seven years ago, and I did so out of frustration because I was unable to convince certain family members who shall remain nameless to ever really see my side of things. And I could see certain dynamics in my family, both immediate and extended, that both frustrated and intrigued me at the same time. Why was it that I had no problem communicating with people at the different jobs I've held over the years or the many volunteer positions I've had or speaking at church or talking with complete strangers? I could go on and on. But with my family, it was a different scenario. 
I'm a people person for gosh sakes and understanding people and what makes them tick and do is something that I'm good at. But for whatever reason, when it came to standing my ground and convincing my family to see things my way, I felt like a dismal failure. This is why I picked up and read Dale's book. I'm a student of personal development after all and know that the only person I can ever control and change is myself. Dale's book is broken down into four parts. They are part one, fundamental techniques in handling people. Part two, six ways to make people like you. Part three, how to win people to your way of thinking. And part four, how to change people without giving offense or arousing resentment. In each of the parts, Dale lists several principles for you to walk away with. At the end of each part, he lists the different principles found in each of the chapters. Now, while I won't read all of them to you, I do want to give you a few from each part. Part one, don't criticize, condemn, or complain. Give honest and sincere appreciation and arouse in the other person an eager want. Part two, ways to make people like you. Become genuinely interested in other people. Smile. Remember that a person's name is to that person the sweetest and most important sound in any language. Be a good listener. Encourage others to talk about themselves. Part three, and if you recall, is how to win people to your way of thinking clearly. This part interested me the most. Here are some of the principles. The only way to get the best of an argument is to avoid it. I still have family members who do not get this one. Show respect for the other person's opinions and never say to them, you're wrong. If you are wrong, admit it quickly and emphatically. Try honestly to see things from the other person's point of view. Let the other person feel that the idea is his or hers. A funny note about this last one. A good example of this comes right out of the movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. When the two sisters, Maria and Vula, are trying to get Maria's husband, Gus, to agree to something. They cleverly get him to come up with the idea they want on his own. It is hilarious and yet perfectly executed. So a few principles from part four, how to change people without giving offense or rousing resentment are begin with praise and honest appreciation. Call attention to people's mistakes indirectly. Talk about your own mistakes before criticizing the other person. Let the other person save face. Give the other person a fine reputation to live up to. Praise the slightest improvement and every improvement. You can see by any of these principles, the value in them. They are simply some of the best ways to not only improve your relationships with others, but with yourself as well. I wish I had read this book sooner. Even though I practiced a lot of these things already, it was nice to see the difference they really make in the overall picture. It was nice to see that what is really important for me, even if I don't always convince others to see my perspective, is that I can still walk away without being frustrated or angry. I can be okay with knowing that I am still comfortable with my point of view and don't have to convince others of it. I can really try to see another person's point of view, especially my family members, and to try and understand them better, which only helps all of us to coexist in a much healthier way. I think this is a good place to wrap this episode up. I hope that I have piqued your interest enough to get to know more about these two personal development greats. They will take the time on your own to learn more about their philosophies and how you can apply them to your life. I have listed their books and websites in the show notes on my own website. They both offer amazing insights into not only personal development, but really personal and financial success 
and what that means for you. Their messages and lessons are timeless. So I hope you all have a great week. And don't forget to invite your friends to listen and subscribe so that we can continue this amazing journey together and kick ass every day. Till next time.